Welcome everybody to the Building Aaronsburg podcast. I'm Thomas Aaronsburg. And I'm Catherine Aaronsburg. I am like two Prosecco glasses deep. Kirkland's brand, if you want to be. If you that is where I need to be right now. <laughs> Thomas, on the other hand, is just starting. I just went downstairs and made him a... We're calling it 7 and 7, but in fact, it's really Sprite and 7. It's, it's same thing. Wait, 7. No, it's not. 7 up? No, it's, it's not. Can you taste what it is? It's not 7 and 7. I did not make you a 7 and 7. No, it didn't taste. It tasted sweeter, whatever it is. You don't know what it is? Uh, Take a guess. you, it was probably a Fresca. No, it's Sprite. Oh. Because that's what we had on the top of our refrigerator for movie night. Oh, Sprite and Apple Crown? Mm-hmm. That is what it I is. I thought it tasted sweeter, but I couldn't point exactly to what it was. Apple Crown and Sprite tastes a little vanilla-y. It's got a little vanilla flair to it, do you think? Yeah, that's what it is. Because I tasted it on the way up. <laughs> well, you got to try it. You make sure it's good. I did. I had to try it. You know why? It's because I didn't, I didn't measure the shots. I just, you just, I did my dad's. I did gloves. Did you it's put not in a glub? It's a glug. 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 Okay. Do you call it a glub, 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 glub? I've never made the noise before, so... <laughs> it sounds like a turkey. <laughs> it's a glug. Okay. If you don't know what a glug is, it's when you pour a bottle out and it goes glug, 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 glug. Depending on the bottle, it might make a glub noise. Mm. It's an interesting I theory. I made that up, so... <laughs> <laughs> you guys, the most exciting thing. We can all either be so thankful that the Murdoch trial is over... Yes, we can. ...or we might have a little bit of a hangover... That would be me. When you spend eight hours a day, five hours a day, whatever, listening to a trial, and then it's just over. Keep in mind, she was not a juror. (laughs) (laughs) I may as well have been. Although I have to tell you, I've been on a murder trial before. It didn't actually end up going. I was chosen for the jury. Mm -hmm. And it was the most frightening thing I can ever imagine. Okay, but had you been chosen for this jury? Of course not. I don't live in South Carolina. It's not my jurisdiction. You had, but you He's not my no, peer. You would have had no issue been like, he did it. They wouldn't have chosen me for that reason. I already knew know, too much. Know too much? Yeah. The, that was the most miraculous thing is that they chose, tw- well, actually, they chose like 24 people. Yeah. And by the end, they only had 13 left. Did you know that? You told me they were running out of alternates, but they, I didn't know how people many. People got sick. Right. COVID and various different illnesses, so they were sent home. But there was two alternates left and the last day of the trial, they were doing closing arguments. And the judge was like, I've received emails. Someone has been talking to someone else. They brought the juror Ooh. out. Everybody knew who it was that was in the Elstead. courtroom. He was like, "I no, this, this judge was really interesting. He's like the most kind, understanding, but like even keel and even tempered, like as much fire as you're getting from the prosecution and the defense, this dude is like the opposite of that. He's just like chill, chill as he can be. And he was mm-hmm. like, look, I understand you've been here for six weeks. I know that you're invested in the trial. I know that as much time as you've spent here having to when leave the last dollars a day. Yeah. Ten. What do they say? Ten dollars. Is it five dollars well, a day? What Whatever it is. It is. You've been here six weeks, and it's so hard to not talk about this with other people, but you did, and we can't keep you. And so they let that person go. It was a woman. Wow. And not, I think they let her go at the beginning of the day, so like 9.30 in the morning before the the closing arguments finished Mm -hmm. out. 
And they deliberated that evening and came out with a verdict the same day. Right. So she literally was a juror until All up to the, the 11th hour. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. But it's crazy. The, he invited the jurors back after they came up with the verdict to come back the next day and do um, the sentencing, be there for the sentencing mm-hmm. for the They're juror. Not, they don't get a part of that, though. The judge decides no, they the just sit. Yeah, okay. they just sit there and... It was like just listen. It was one of those things where it was a very packed courtroom. Mm-hmm. There was like almost they weren't selling tickets, but like you had to get there early in order to get a seat in the courtroom. And they were turning people away. Right. And I think the jurors probably got priority seating. They've been sitting there all that yeah, time. They got true. to be the ones in the audience if they wanted to be. Um, one of the jurors came forth and spoke the very next morning on Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. Um, probably got paid handsomely for it. Oh, I'm sure. Probably doesn't make up his six week of. No, maybe salary that he missed. Maybe it might. I don't even know how much they'd pay the very first juror that would come out on that situation. But anyway, if you haven't been watching, the jury did decide that he was guilty on both. It's actually four counts. It was like two counts of murder and two counts of using a weapon for a deadly purpose. Or you know, yeah. there's always some like odd charge. Yeah, you know, it's like whatever. You didn't even know it was a real charge. Yeah, so they haul him off to jail and immediately shave his head, which I thought was interesting, which is just, I mean, I think that's smart. Like a safety precaution. Although I mean, what? I mean, it's probably a health though? precaution too. Like they don't get lice. They don't get, cause you know, as Are, we, do all prisoners have a shaved head. I, I believe that that's where he is. All, sh- all oh. prisoners have a shaved head. Interesting. I could, I mean, I could see. Some so some people would be like, why, why is that a health thing? Well, friends, no, but if it's lice or, Something like that. I mean, I, I can see that but being... But people may not know what we know, and we have learned, is that lice cannot, um, like, lay eggs right. on hair that's less than... It's like a quarter inch or something. An it's inch long? Uh, I think it's shorter An inch than and that. a quarter? Is it shorter than that? Mm-hmm. There's some length at which a, li- a louse, which is a single... Mm-hmm. Lice. <laughs> A single is lice is a louse. <laughs> they cannot lay eggs. Should I hit the Google on that? Oh, I know it to be true. Let me let me be your Google on that. That's a hundred percent true. But all this adds up to um, this hilarious meme that I saw today. It was a um, it's a Seinfeld character. No, I'm not Seinfeld. Good grief, Simpsons. The Simpsons character mm-hmm. named Ralph Wiggin Wiggins Wiggins. I think that's right. Yeah. Wiggins? I think that's right. Anyway, I looked it up because someone sent it to me. It was the most hilarious thing. It's the Ralph Wiggins is this kid. I think he got in a car accident and he flew through a window at the Simpsons house. But people always use it in reference to um, a lot of different things. Like I think that meme is used quite often. It's a quarter inch, sorry. A quarter inch mm-hmm. for the louse to yeah. not lay. Um, and someone sent me the one today that said... My kidnapper's returning me after listening to me talk about Murdoch for two hours, and it's yes. the kid coming through the window. No doubt. I mean, no doubt that's let's be honest, there's more than one subject that the kidnappers would return me for. But that would be the most recent one, because <laughs> that is what you're most well-versed on, <laughs> the details, and yeah. The that's, thing is, I can't quite let it go. It's going to keep going. What is there to talk about at this point? Oh, I th- I think that it's con- going to continue. Because you're like, what, where was all the money going? Like, he claimed it was a drug addiction. But when he got on the stand and he started talking, you're like, there's no way he was spending 
$50,000 a week on a drug addiction. Yeah. So the money, where was the money going? And you could almost, I mean, you could spend it, but not on your long? Not you putting in your it, own body. Right. No, I'm just saying in general, you he, could spend $50,000 a week for a while, but, you know, eventually everything's they, paid off. But the thing is, they couldn't trace any of it. Yeah, like he didn't have he a bunch was, of new houses or boats or cars. No. And he has an airstrip. On that Moselle property, he's got several airstrips in various different places. He had a small little airplane. Like, it just has some very specific, like, drug cartel vibes happening to it with it. Whatever. And so, it doesn't matter that he's in jail. I think there's just curiosity from the community. And now that he's out of the way and all the people he's, like, beholden to are kind of out of the way in, in kind of a way, maybe the answers will be a little more free to come forth. I don't know. The whole thing's very interesting. There's a lot more cases to turn our attention to, like the um, Idaho case that's happening. But that one... That's pretty straightforward. I feel like that, yeah, I think that's, that was the main interest with the Murdoch case, is that there was... It was like once you dove in, you thought you were done, and you weren't. There was more... Oh, there's went, so many layers to that onion. It went deeper and deeper and yeah. deeper to the just most unbelievable crevices that you couldn't even possibly fathom. Right. And like each... Each layer of that onion is like an entire story in itself. Mm-hmm. Like these Idaho murders, that's like that's the that's story. It. Yeah, crazy with guy, dude, basically. With this Murdoch guy, like there's twenty of those all wrapped into this one, at least. And something you'll never know the truth to, right? You know, um, the judge. Like I know that you weren't watching any of this, but of course I'm watching the entire verdict, which was. I honestly thought that the jury was going to take a week to deliberate. Those fools took no, I didn't two hours, would. maybe three hours, and they deliberated. And the guy, the juror who came forth the, the next foreman? morning. Uh, I don't, he the foreman? I don't know. I don't no. think so. Okay. He came forth the next morning on Good Morning America, mm-hmm. and he said it took them 45 minutes to decide. Yeah. That was it. 45 minutes. And then I know that someone said they came in to ask them what they wanted for dinner. And they said, oh, no, we don't need dinner. We've already got it. Like, give us 10 minutes. Wow. So, and that was almost three hours in. So they had decided in 45 minutes. I think he said that when they first started deliberating, it was like nine to three. Nine guilty, two not guilty, one undecided. Mm -hmm. And in 45 minutes. They convinced the other They convinced the other three. Yeah. That he was guilty. No doubt. And then at the sentencing, the judge has his ability to say what he wants to say to the to the defendant yeah. who's now convicted. Right. And he said some pretty, again, he's very even keel, keel, very chill, but he said some pretty damning things. One of the things that I was kind of like, oh, snap, was he, you know, he, he did a lot of, con- not condemning, I guess he was condemning, but he did a lot of, um, like, you were a lawyer, I was a lawyer, we got along great, you had this great family, you threw it all away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got to the point where he said something to the effect of, I'm sure you see them every night. I think they visit you every night. Yeah. Like, you did this. And they come and, they and visit will you. Haunt your dreams. They will haunt you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, snapperoonies. It was just all very like cutting, but in like yeah. the most matter of fact way. Yeah, like only the way a judge could. I feel like. Yeah. Because 
as a judge, I don't feel like you're not there to argue. You're mm. not there to prove any points. You're just stating, like, you've been convicted of this crime. You're going to have to live with this for the rest of your life, which you did. Even if you want to admit it to yourself, because he seems like the type of person that probably won't even admit it to himself. That He's probably already convinced himself he didn't do it. Yeah. Because that's how he is. Yeah. That's been pr- proven through all the testimony. Or he's, in his mind, he's justified it somehow, like it had to happen that way. So. Yeah. Had to, yeah something. Had to do it. I mean, he's convinced it somehow. Way, so. Anyway. Because I will say, I watched the reading of the conviction. You did? Yeah. It was on social media. Like I didn't seek it. It out. was all on social media, but I didn't think yeah. you were paying attention to any any of it because I was coming I home telling was, you about I all mean, of it. Yeah, this is a highlight. Like it's the end, and that they're reading the verdict, and just his face as they're reading because it's not like we find him guilty. The end. It's like a whole long reading. Oh uh, yeah, he was on the charges of blah blah blah. We the state of all. You know, like it's a long. He was Stone Cold Steve Austin on all. Yeah, of he it. was just like reading it. At, I'll say this, and I think I told you this. It looked like he was trying to whip up some tears or something. Like, he kept doing something with his face, but then you're like, no, he does that all the time or something. And so... Yeah, the um, the guy who went on Good Morning America actually said he he always sounded like he was crying, but there was no tears. He goes, there was snot. <laughs> yeah. Fake tears. It was like, Nose the jurors, tears. the jurors, I know y'all can't see how closely Thomas and I are sitting together, but the jurors were sitting close enough to the, the, um, what do they call it? The box where the, I guess they call it the witness, witness stand? Yeah, yeah. witness stand, right? Mm-hmm. They were sitting close enough to the, the pulpit, wi- I think is what I called no, it last week. No, that's not what it's called. It's called the witness stand. But the jury's sitting close enough to the witness stand where they are seeing details of the person's face and they can mm-hmm. really see how much... Like they can I see think s- that's how normal. That's how the courtroom's always set up. Though. Well, they had a, they particularly were talking about. Of course, this is a very popular case, and so there's a lot of people in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and so they kept talking about how small the courtroom is. I don't and how crowded it was. I don't know that that's necessarily always the case. It just felt that way, probably because of how many people. I mean, they have well, cameras this is also in there. A small town, South Carolina. I mean. Yes. What did they expect it? Like a New York City sized courtroom? Right. No, I don't think anybody expected that. They were just commenting on okay. how crowded it was. Anyway, super interesting case. I know several of y'all have messaged me and said that you did not get into it until all of our discussion about it. And then you finally went and watched the Netflix documentary and were like, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah. I finally get it. But, you know, even like I watched the Netflix documentary and like the whole story is really interesting. I will never watch a court hearing like you did for weeks just listening to the testimony of... I think that I was curious because you you do hear the outside story and you hear Netflix and you know that it is a biased situation. What would you call it? Like a docu-series or whatever? They always have a slant. Always. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair to just go, oh, he's guilty because of the docuseries. You can have your opinions about it, yeah. but you have to understand that everything you watch has some sort of slant to it. And so I think that I wanted to hear... Even without the slant, the story itself is so outrageous. Oh, it's movie-worthy for sure. You could not... Even if you took all of the slant out of it and you just labeled the facts in writing, in plain text... It is a fantastic story. Agreed. 
So, but the story wasn't. I had been. I had gotten invested enough at that point to where I wanted to know if he did it. I wanted to hear the testimony from the people. Now, of course, even what's included in court is not even the whole story. What's nuts is there's like 75% of the story is not even admissible in court because it has nothing to do necessarily with that particular case. Are those cases also going to get hurt? All of his financial crimes and all that? 100%. Yep. That's what's next. They actually scheduled that. So as. As they were finishing court, he was sentenced, and they the lawyers who are still his lawyers for the financial case, as they were for his defense for the murder case, they will be his lawyers, and they were scheduling when they're going to start those oh that trial goodness. too. What's nuts to me about that? I don't, I don't. I mean, I feel like I got an entire law degree while I was watching this case. Of course, I didn't, but I don't know. He he admitted to everything he did. In this, like in all this is admissible. Right. Everything. So during this murder trial, he admitted to doing all the things that he's has a law has lawsuits pending, hundred of them, literally one hundred lawsuits against him mm-hmm. for all of the financial crimes that he committed. He admitted to all of them in court during his well, murder trial. Open and shut. Case why do you not just plead guilty? Why are we doing like? Well, why do you might. need a trial? He might though. You still have to. I guess you don't have to go to trial, but you still maybe set the dates for arraignments and stuff for you to... I just don't even know why you need a trial, period. Well, because you still have to appear and say, how do you plead? I plead guilty. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, at this point, he should just plead guilty because he's admitted to all of it. And people will say, well, can he can he go and speak for himself at these trials? It's like, no, you're, you were under oath. He was under oath right. when he admitted to all those things. So that all of that is admissible in his financial trials. So that he would is, be fun to watch him represent himself in these financial crimes that he's already admitted. It to is doing. the most mental gymnastics. <laughs> you, I mean, if you want to see someone, I think it's an interesting personality thing to watch because I don't know that everyone has experienced someone like him. We have, you and I have experienced someone yeah. like him before, mm-hmm. and so it's not much of a stretch to see how he's performing. All right. But it's a really interesting exercise to watch someone like him who can take the truth and twist it into, quote-unquote, what he believes to be true. Now, maybe it's the way every lawyer thinks. Maybe that's just the way their brain works. Well, because you don't want to admit. That's probably something they teach, and he probably teaches all of his clients, never admit guilt. And so by saying something like, well... I remember it this way, or I believed it to be this way. That was that was one thing that the judge brought up. It was like it was as if the judge. Now we're not lawyers, and so we don't we don't know what they were taught in law school, right? But I'm willing to bet that that judge was sitting up there going, "He is he's guilty of sin." Mm -hmm. Like the way that he. So at the very end, when he was um, uh, shown guilty by the jury. The defense tried to move to a mistrial, mm-hmm. and the judge was like, uh, "No, he's guilty." Like it was like the judge was backing up the jury and going, "Oh no!" Yeah, they got like, this right. I sat here and watched him. I sat here and listened to him when he was his own witness or whatever, and he's so full of crap that I was kind of like, "Oh, that's interesting." That the judge, who also went through law school, right, is sitting here lawyer to lawyer well, the going. Judge probably served as a lawyer for a very long time. Of course, of course, judge. for decades probably. Yeah, and was going. Oh, I recognize that. I recognize yeah. that game. That's what we, you know, we're taught to do. Mm-hmm. And he's playing his own game. It's like, well, the jury might not recognize that, but the judge does. Right. So, 
anyway, I don't know. The whole thing was very interesting from a lot of different perspectives. I know that they called the O.J. Simpson trial the, the trial of the century. This might be the trial of the century for... The 2000s? For the 2000s. To, no, for the... Is that right? 2000s? Yeah. When was um, O.J.'s trial? Like 1992? Yeah, early 90s. hmm It sounds right. That trial was eleven months. I don't know how they got a jury to. I don't. I don't see how. Like I get that it is your civic duty to serve. I don't see how they can get away. They being the government can get away with just like, hey, by the way, we're just going to hold you out of work for eleven months. I hope everything works out for you. Yeah. Like what if what if you're a single parent and like you got to feed your children. Well, what are you supposed to do? Five dollars a day, ten dollars a day, whatever. I it would is? imagine a lot of that stuff comes through with, um, with the pre-trial stuff. I would imagine. I mean, to get to these twenty-four people, they probably—that's alternates too. That's twelve jury members yeah. and twelve alternates. Right. Um, I would imagine that they narrow it down. They probably come from like three hundred or more people. Because sure. again, and I you was, realize in the time of that OJ trial, someone could have gotten pregnant and had their child. Ooh, Holy how mackerel. nuts is that? That is nuts. Can you imagine if you're a jury person and you sat there mm-hmm. and was growing a baby during the the trial, and then had the baby? Wait before a second. Everything was Didn't decided. Didn't you coach a kid named Ito, which was the name of the judge yeah. in that mm-hmm. trial? Yeah, <laughs> he's probably born around that time. Probably born in like '93 or '94. <laughs> it was really a landmark case. It was. But 11 months is obscene. It is ridiculous. I just can't even imagine now why they would have needed that long to present all the evidence in the case. You know? Yeah, I don't know either. But we were I, little. Well, you know, in your thing, you kept talking about how the prosecution kept bringing the, the same type of witness up to the stand who was like basically saying the same thing a hundred times over. And so I think that's probably, and again, I don't remember because I was maybe 10 during the OJ trial or... Less I think that. that we were in either six, we were in middle school, as I recall, because they had the results. Do you remember this? Did your school let y'all watch the results? I don't remember us watching the results, but I remember getting the results. They rolled the old AV card in, and we had it playing live. Why on earth anyone would think that a middle school child would care one whit about the OJ Simpson trial? I'm really not sure. But we we watched it. I remember it was in middle school. What year was the trial? We can tell you when we were. It was in ninety two or ninety three. I thought. I mean, ninety two. We were in fifth grade. I don't think it was in fifth grade. I think we were in middle school. Middle school meaning sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. At least in my head, that's what middle school is. Ninety five. Okay, so we would have been sixth grade. Sixth grade, like like fall of sixth grade. It went from. September of 94 to October of 95. Yeah. So we would have been... So 95. It was... The verdict would have been read in 95. So fall of 95 would have been our sixth grade year. Yeah. Like, why would I have cared about that? I don't know. Did they, I wonder if they played that one live on TV. They must have. I'm sure they did. They must have played I'm that. sure they did. But 11 months. Can I you I don't remember that? watching it on TV, but I do remember... The verdict and it being a big deal. So that's insane, though. You have to like who would who would be a person who could be out of work for eleven months? I don't know. Probably the person. I mean, 
almost nobody. I mean, if you're salaried, your employer's still paying oh your God. salary that whole For time. For a year. Do they, though? I would imagine. I guess I maybe not. Works. I don't know either. I know that one juror in this trial, the Murdoch case, um, I think the judge was saying that the person basically almost got fired from their job for being away for like two or three weeks. Yes. And then the person got sick and it was like, ooh, I'm saved. Like I got sick so I can go back to work now kind of right. a thing. I mean, why would you just not do that when they said, hey, it's going to be X number of weeks and you're like, oh, I can't miss that work. I'm sick. Because I don't think they let you out of it that easy. If you're sick and you miss two or three days, I'm sure they don't let you back onto the jury. No, 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 yeah, but they have to be sick. You have to be sick. You can't just, like, fake sick. So they'd already been on the jury for two or three weeks, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. And then they got sick, and I was like, okay, saved by the sickness kind of a thing. And then they went back to work. But it was just a long, long trial. Um, Well, I'm glad that it is over. Well, I'm sure you are. But old, uh, (coughs) what's his name? Ralph. Being thrown through the window. There's just so much more to talk about. So much more to come, I'm sure, from that case. More documentaries. You know there's going to be like oh, for sure. actual you movies. You know all these, if I was a juror, you know all these jurors <laughs> are getting lined up to do, not just TV shows. I know you said there was that one that was already on a morning show, but they probably have book deals and all kinds of stuff coming up. I always remember as kids, anytime there'd be, of course, I wasn't, I just remember it as a kind of a back of my mind memory, but um, you'd see like four or five of the jury members would get together and do like a Dateline episode or something. Where it's like they weren't doing their own interview. But it was like, here's half of the jurors. And they kind of get together and have an interview together. So kind of like, I guess, um, benefit of numbers kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Where they feel a little more safe within themselves. I mean, you have to imagine, these people were together for six weeks and could not talk about the trial. Yeah. Okay? So you've got 12 people who are sitting next to each other for six weeks and could not discuss the trial. They couldn't write any notes and they could not discuss the trial amongst each other. And so they probably have learned more about each other because so you couldn't talk crazy. about anything else. The whole note writing notes thing. So That's a specific choice from the county and from the judge and it's because they feel as if jurors are writing things down and they're not paying attention. Sure. They're like focused on writing their notes but, and they're missing pretty big new you know some nuances of the case yeah but you're also gonna not remember crap from 11 months ago when the well, case started of course 11 months is or not six weeks even six weeks no i don't know what ele- i don't know if in their case they could have written things down i don't know in yeah, Simpson's don't know trial because it's case but by still, case in I this think. one six weeks you remember stuff from six weeks ago but i think that that's the whole point is that you're supposed to generally take everything in mm-hmm and be like, what sticks out to you? And you've got 12 people. Among 12 people, I would imagine that various different things stick out. And if all of you have the exact same thing that sticks out, that's like, mm, he did it. Or, no, there's right. no way he did it. Then you would come around to that answer together yeah. um, as a group without needing to write anything down. Well, so here's the thing. Because you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not just like... I think he did it because I think he did it means. So you know that in court they explain explicitly what reasonable doubt means. Okay. So they they did also not just film the trial and um, air all of that. They also aired all of the judges' instructions. Mm-hmm. 
And so the jury has explicit instructions as to what reasonable reasonable doubt is, what motive is, what um, circumstantial evidence is, what physical evidence is. Like you're hearing what the jury is being told Mm -hmm. and they're very clear about what reasonable doubt is. So I guess it was enough. I mean. They were all like, he is guilty as sin. And I mean, the jury, I mean, not the jury, the judge mentioned that too. I think um, the quote that Murdoch kept saying was, I would never hurt my wife and I would never hurt my child, which anybody who has ever watched a true crime documentary is like, what is that? Why would you say I would never hurt my child? Like you murdered them. Right. Why wouldn't you say I would never kill them? I would never murder them. I would, you know, something like that. He never said that. He kept saying I would never hurt them, which is such an odd phrase to use. And the judge said he, because Murdoch actually said that out loud during his um, sentencing. He said I would never hurt Maggie and I would never hurt Paul. And the judge said it may not have been you. It may have been. Someone that you paid. No, it may, no, because, no, you can't say that. He has been convicted of murder, meaning he pulled the trigger. He said, it may not have been you. It may have been the person you turn into when you're addicted to opioids and you're high. Oh, interesting. It may have been the person you became when you were so um, stressed and overwhelmed by your financial situation like you turned into this other person that basically mm-hmm. you can't identify with anymore. Right. He said, I've seen it plenty of times. People get high on drugs and they turn into a different person. Mm-hmm. But it's still you. Physically, well, it's, funny, it's still you, know, you. In all of those documentaries, if you watch those Murdoch documentaries, they talk about the son that was murdered. Mm-hmm. And when they would go out and he would get just like drunk as a skunk, they had a different, then they call him like Timmy, Timmy. or something. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a different guy. Mm-hmm. He's normally Interesting, kind of huh? a funny, cool guy, whatever, and then he becomes this Timmy guy. That but those are the types of things that you're like, oh, is that genetic? Or is that just... Well, yeah. And you can't... That stuff's not admissible right. in court, and so you can't bring it in. Right. There's just so many things that you can't... Like, you know about if you watch all these documentaries. The other interesting thing that they allowed for the audience to be privy to is we were allowed to see anything that the judge and the lawyer talked about in the courtroom mm-hmm. even when the jury wasn't there so that they'd bring the jury in and out depending on what the situation was right and if the judge the judge was hearing things from the lawyers that they were arguing amongst themselves right they would work it out in the courtroom before the jury would get there sure. and we would be privy to that and so it was information that we knew that the jury didn't oh. I mean the jury only gets to see yeah certain things certain things yeah so, I don't know, the whole, you know, I, th- I think, and the judge did mention it too, that when you're on a trial like that, and of course all of us are at home watching too, you really get a good understanding of the judicial system, and it's a good thing. Like, there really needs to be more cameras in courtrooms, because I do think that there is an appreciation for the judicial system that most of us don't get to see on a daily basis. Sure. And cases like this allow for the general public to like have a little spy inside of the a courtroom during the day that yeah. we don't get to see unless we're on jury duty. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to be 
a good functioning member of society, you should know how the judicial system works. Yeah. Maybe not to the detail that you would watching a case for six weeks, but just generally speaking. Now, the one thing that cracked me up that I was dying about. So, like I said, I was on a murder um, case. Um, what do you think it was? It's been several years ago now. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many years ago now. But anyway, I got chosen for a jury. The um, defendant ended up pleading guilty after the jury was chosen and everything. So I didn't actually have to hear the case. Yeah. But they once you get s- seated for a jury, they give you, even if you don't hear the case, they give you like a 10-year pass. Like. Yeah. It's. I think it's two or three years if you get seated for a trial at all, as far as the obligation for the civic duty. Right. But if you get seated on a murder trial, you get 10 years. Well, apparently not in South Carolina, because that judge was like, you know, telling the jury, um, you know, normally you don't get seated for a jury for a year, but since you... We're on a murder trial. You get two or three years. And I was like, these poor people. I know, really. Can you imagine? They just gave up six weeks. If two years from now they get called back again. I'd be like, I'm out. I was yeah. on the Alec Murdoch trial. Like, you better peace out and never right. call me back yeah, ever they again. Call you, yeah. Hey, hey, I was on the Murdoch, so. Because in get that, in their case especially, it's not even that it was a, a murder trial. It was also that it was like extremely high profile. Yeah. Like the the judge made such an an effort to say, um, these people are not to be hounded. They're not to be found. They're not to be, you know, the, this jury is supposed to remain anonymous unless they choose otherwise. The cra- Did I tell you the craziest thing that happened at the end of the trial? So they had been, they had taken every precaution for this jury to remain anonymous. Uh, you did tell me this. They had, so they had three or four cameras in the courtroom and they were shooting the witness stand, which the witness stand sits right next mm-hmm. to the jury box. So they had one at the witness stand. They had one facing the... Um, judge they had um, several going out toward the audience they had kept the jury completely anonymous until the very last moment they said Alec Murdoch you're guilty the camera pans like he gets you know he puts his handcuffs on and they start to lead him out of the courtroom well of course the door to get out of the courtroom is past the the jury like (laughs) it's next it's it's basically from what I can um, recall there's if you're looking at like toward the judge, there's a judge. Then there's a witness box just to the left of the mm-hmm. judge. You know, you sit right next to the judge. And then to the left of the witness box, there's a door. Yeah. To the left of the door, there's a jury. Yeah. So essentially, they're panning from him coming from the defendant table and going to that door right. between the witness box and the jury, which ends up panning the camera past the jury you and can I'm see like, all of them. I immediately go, <laughs> I just saw are. the entire jury. And of course, you're sitting here going, out of 12 people, it looked to be nine white women, two, I mean, I'm sorry, nine white men, two white women, and I think one black woman was what they ended up with. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, this guy was fried when he started talking about hogs and hunting and everything else, which mm-hmm. they're in South Carolina anyway, like... It would probably be similar in Alabama, but they just had so mi- so much testimony about like hunting and what you do with guns and when you bring them places on on land right. and all these various different things. Which I don't know that that stuff, and you don't know that stuff. I'm but a girl if you're in the country, hmm? but if you're in the country, you know. We're in Alabama. Like, my dad is a hunter, but I never went hunting with him. And you're not a hunter. And you've never been. And your dad isn't one. And so we're just, like, happen. I think we're kind of an anomaly, especially where we live. Yes, for sure. It seems like with a jury of, 
nine uh, men, two women, or three women, or two, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was nine men and three women is what it was. Mm-hmm. But um, it just seemed like... that crew hunts. At least. And they yeah. knew when he was lying about... Oh, for sure. Various different things like, oh, we bring guns when we do this, and oh, no, we never bring a gun when we do that. You know, right. like, he was telling saying all kinds of things that you're like, if you're a hunter, like, I don't know what this answer is, but people who hunt know whether or not he's telling the truth, just like the judge knows yeah. if he's telling the truth By about, about yeah. you know, avoiding answers and things like that. And so, I don't know. I think as a as an aggregate, as a whole, everyone in that courtroom knew he was lying for one reason or another. Yeah. So, anyway, it's over now. Everyone can, sh- you know, kick me out a window for wanting to talk about it, but well, truly is interesting. We cannot promise that that's the last time we'll hear about it on this podcast. So, just prepare yourselves when you come in every week to listen to the podcast. We're just going to turn it into a Murdoch podcast. May or may not include the details. I missed the last episode of the Netflix documentary, but um, that didn't stop me from answering questions no, from a yeah, dead sleep. You watched it. I mean, I watched it and you were asleep when we were done. I was like, hey, what was this and this and this about? And you had all the answers. <laughs> like, I didn't even need to watch the documentary. I just asked you. Well, it's way more interesting to watch the documentary, I feel well, like. yeah, because they have video and they have pictures and they have yeah. all, the, all the things that kind of put things into perspective. Yeah. That you I don't get. I did feel like the the prosecution did an amazing job. So, more things I'm learning about the, the whole system. So, the prosecution does a closing argument first. Mm-hmm. Then the defense does a closing argument. And then the prosecution what's co- does what's called a rebuttal. And the prosecution had the lawyer who asked most of the questions throughout the trial. He did the initial closing argument. Mm-hmm. Then defense went. And then the rebuttal was done... Um, by a guy who would ask a few questions during the trial. And it was like, as they say, going to church. He had the most amazing like pace. He did a great job of like laying out this story to the jury that was very like it just sounded like a story. Yeah. And it was like I said, it was well paced, meaning he sped up in some places, he slowed down in some places, yeah. he did the dramatic pauses. It was like a mm-hmm. movie. It was really yeah. good. Probably so, rehearsed that several times. Oh, for sure. I can't even imagine the amount of fun they had on the nights after Alec Murdoch was um, up there testifying for himself. Mm-hmm. Just digging his hole. Yeah. Digging I mean, his grave. Because, you know, the questions you're asking him, it's just like, we got we got answers for all of this stuff. People right. already, I mean, he was saying that people were lying, that had no reason to lie. It was insane. So... It was a very interesting trial. Um, I am glad it's over because I have to say it had a stranglehold on me for a while. Yes, it did. Every time we came home, you had that earpiece in. <laughs> even so, our son that rides to school with you. He's like, can, he, they, just, can well, they just say he's guilty already? He rode with me one day. He's like, hey, can I be DJ, which means can I have your phone so I can play the music? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I guess, but you know, like you know, when they say that, the other kids start arguing. No, I want to pick the songs, whatever. He's like, I never get to pick the songs in the morning. I ride with Mama, and all we do is listen to that Murdoch trial, to and from school, every day. So he he started a new school in January. I'm trying to think of when that trial started. About six weeks ago. I mean, I know it was six weeks ago. We're in March now. <laughs> Probably the so end of January. Yeah, I mean, middle, he, maybe yeah. middle of. January. He's basically been listening to that. The whole time he's been going to school. Yeah. 
miserable for a 11-year-old little boy, yeah, to be listening to that to and from school when you know that everyone that's riding with daddy is rocking out to some music that they so choose. <laughs> so the only time I have rocking have fun rocking out to music is to drink Catherine time cuz I can handle the noise. It's noisy. I'll give them that. They make a lot of noise. And they argue about the song choices. Uh-huh. They didn't argue tonight for There's whatever a little reason. bit. There's always a little bit. A song starts and they're like, oh, why'd you play this song? I just have so much fun. I was dancing with the car next to us. Yeah, that guy seemed somewhat... Did you see um, him? Yeah, I looked over. He was a security guard or something. He had a little patch on his sleeve. He seemed amused. He was getting into it. Well, until you rolled the window down. I think he's like, all right, let's get a slight turn green. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> we can get going. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to dance with Catherine in the car? Not the guy next to you. Not the security man. So that's you know where we, we were on the way home. You know what we haven't talked about is this doggone uh, car shopping experience. Okay, let's get into it. If y'all, okay, so this is switching subjects abruptly, but we have been searching for cars recently, and um, God bless any of you. Who have been searching for a car lately because <laughs> people who last bought their car five years ago keep trying to give me car advice. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you have not tried to purchase a car in the last Two years. three years, 2020. Well, 2020 was, would have been when it maybe it wouldn't have been 2020. It'd have been 21 and 22 because in 2020, there's still plenty of cars. Plenty. Yeah. The last now, two years. Have gone and gotten one. Maybe they were closed, but. Then you have not dealt with. Um, the chip shortage started in 21. The insanity that's, that's happening right started. now. The insanity that's happening right now is just. It's just maybe the fact that we're in America in the market. You're used to the car shopping experience being a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then all hell breaks loose. And the car shopping experience is completely different than anything yep. you've ever seen it's before. It's completely flipped on its head. Yes. It's probably very similar to buying a house in the last two years. Like, you don't get to make offers yeah. less than whatever the listed price is well, on the house. Probably the most important thing we learned is that currently purchasing a new car makes more sense than buying one that's two years old. Yes. Which seems like the most ridiculous thing that I've ever said. Yeah, it's really dumb. Because what did you? What did we learn financially? What did you learn about ever purchasing a car? You never. They you always negotiate. As soon as you drive off the lot, you're losing ten thousand dollars. Yes, just driving it off the lot. No, you Not were true. you were looking up cars that were two years old and had forty thousand miles that were four thousand dollars less than just buying a new car. Right. It's like that doesn't. What? Like yeah. it's like it's like doesn't like compute in my head. You know, it's like when you press a bunch of buttons into the calculator, you sat on it and you pick it up and it says error. That's what's happening in my right. head. It doesn't make any sense. You drive a car off the lot now, it doesn't depreciate. It'll maintain its value for at least a year right now. Yeah. Like you could Yeah, buy that could change, right? Maybe. I mean there would have to be some some drastic changes in the market which could happen, but basically in 2021, with all the COVID stuff, uh, one of the things that was not getting sent to the United States were chips, semiconductor chips that go in cars, 
And so basically, car companies could not sell cars because they could not make the cars. And so although the demand was about the same, the supply went down drastically. And so I don't know if y'all remember this, but this is something we recognized also in the last year or two. There are a bunch of people buying brand new used cars. Not brand new. New to them. New to them used cars. And like the number of used cars, I remember at some point you're like, why are are there so many used cars? Like people were driving cars that had not a real license plate, but the license plate from the used car lot. Uh-huh. You, you oh, yes, yes, yes. All yes. over the place. I figured people were using their stimulus checks for that. Well, I think it was that, along with the fact that you couldn't go buy a new car. There was no option uh, to buy a new car. Yeah, that's true. The only ones available were So the only ones. thing that was available was a used car. Yeah. And so, and that still really hasn't changed. If you drive by a new, like a car dealership today, just drive by one and look in their lot. You'll notice the cars are parked like sideways in every other spot. Mm-hmm. So it looks like there's more cars in the lot. When three years ago, those things would have been stacked in there door to door. Just, you know, I a do th- field full of cars. I do think overall the whole process is changing. So it was my understanding once COVID hit and things did kind of change that the manufacturers were talking about changing their entire process of um supplying car dealerships with cars and it was going to be more of a order directly from the company model and like kind of kicking out the dealership portion of things yeah which i'm all for i would rather pay msrp and not have to deal with somebody than to go into a place and negotiate and deal with all. just tell me how much the price is that was saturn's yeah. entire model right buying model when i remember um right before covid hit um they had the whole haggle-free, haggle-free price of whatever. And it might have been a little bit higher than the normal price, but it's like, that's going to be the price. We're not going to, mm-hmm. you're not going to come on the lot and we're going to add 5000 more dollars in random stuff. Like, this is the price. Yeah. And it's like, that was already, I think that was already kind of changing a, nil- a little bit. And then, yes, probably COVID just sort of, just like a lot of other things, just sort of, brought all of that on a lot faster than probably the market. But now they call it things like um, dealership adjustment or something like that, where it's basically we're going to charge you 10% or $10,000 over our MSRP, and you're just going to have to pay it for the pleasure of owning a new car. Right. That's where I draw the line. I don't well, mind paying there's MSRP. There's no other cars available. I mean, we went car shopping this weekend, and the salesman was talking about their allotment. We have an allotment of two cars. Like, they're only going to send us two cars. Mm-hmm. So, if you want one, you got to buy one of these two. But there's a bunch of people probably wanting to buy these two also. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the color you want. And it may not be the transmission you want. That's also where I draw the, the line. If, if I'm paying full price, I'm going to get the color I want. Well, and also the other things you want, too. Like, you don't want... The trim and the... Right. All those other things. I mean, why do you... You're going to pay full price for a brand new car. Yeah. It's like you're going to like... Anything else you buy other than a car right now, anything else you buy, if you went to the store to buy new tennis shoes, you'd make sure they were in the color that you wanted. Yeah. And the size of shoe that fits you. But all of this stems from people let it be okay. People are like, all well, right, well, I guess that's how it is. I'll be fine. And they just do it. And so it, the thing continues. If people would shut down and be like, nope, I'm not doing that, then it would change. Because I don't believe that any more... It is a matter of shortages. 
now. That would require people to like band together and do something, and that's not going to happen. You're always you're always going to have truth? people that just like, hey, I need a car, and this yeah. is this is the car I've looked at, and this is the one they have, so I'm going to buy it. Man, it's not the color I want, but it's here. It's now. Although the word is that in the used car market, the people who purchased ten thousand dollars over MSRP and yes. all these various different things, that whole market is about to crash. Supposedly, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but that could make us reevaluate our purchasing. If if the whole market crashes and we can get a dirt cheap one year old car, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have I have no idea. I know that the research that I've done showed that there were cars that you could that were purchased in twenty one and they're worth the same exact price or slightly less as but a twenty three. But they have, you know, twenty thousand miles on them in a year old car. And it's yeah. the same price as a brand new car. Or maybe it's a little cheaper, but heck, if I get the brand new one, I know someone else hasn't been driving it. Mm-hmm. And God knows what they did when they were driving it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a very mixed up, backward, upside down world that we're living in as far as cars are concerned. It's like the one, it feels like the one last hold off from COVID that hasn't gone back. I'm sure there's probably, yeah, I'm sure there's other ones that we can't think of. The housing market hasn't gone back down yet. I think it will. Like interest rates have slowed it significantly. You don't think it hasn't gone back down? People aren't buying houses the way they were. I, th- I would say it's slowed. I wouldn't say it's gone back down. Houses no. aren't cheaper. No, I would say it's slowed down it tremendously. Down. I think everyone's it's, staying put. Right. It's no longer the case that a house sells before it goes on sale. Right. Or a house goes on sale and there's 10 people bidding on it. Right. Bidding wars and all yeah, that stuff. I think for all sure. of that is gone. I think but it's extremely slow where those things are concerned. I still think people are listing their house way more than they're probably worth. And people are still buying them for that price. Mm. And I don't know when that's going to slow down, but probably the car market's just a year or two behind that. A year or two? Yeah. The thing I read today said that chip shortage was going to go through 24, to 24. So until 2024. We'll probably buy a car before that, I'd imagine. Well, what do you mean? Like the beginning of 24? The, the article I read said that they, the chips through 24 were already sold out. So let's say Ford has ordered 10,000 chips through 2024. They're all sold out already. So like if they need 1,000 more chips, too bad. We don't have any. You have to wait till 25 if you want more chips. So I don't know what all of these car makers' um, plans for inventory were. Yeah. And how well, they compared to the last couple years. You remember during COVID, they had all order chips, and then they canceled their orders. And then it was like, huh? Do you remember this? Like Toyota and all that? I remember that they couldn't get the chips for the cars. Like they had built cars, and they... Right, but it was because, as I remember, and again, my memory's not great, but... I think what happened was COVID started and they were predicting toward the future. They had already ordered, like, I think it was Toyota and there were several car companies, especially Mm -hmm. the ones who, you know, had shortages. They had predicted what their orders were going to be, you know, going up until the pandemic happened. And then they canceled their order and then the, the orders got even higher. And so it was like they canceled something that they just predicted was going to kind of, 
trend down trend down and Mm. it ended up exponentially trending up right talk about a terrible decision right now they're behind the eight ball and i think several companies did that i thought the article that i read said ford was hit the hardest with the chip shortage thing i'm not sure why that maybe it's what you're talking about here they had thought their orders were going to go down so they made a lesser order Mm -hmm. and then it ended up being that they needed more so i don't know I do also wonder geographically. You know, the, the one of the cars we were looking at is the Hyundai. It's in they Hyundai's in South Korea. Mm-hmm. I don't know where these chips are made, but I thought South Korea was one of the places that made chips. So mm-hmm. I don't know where chips are made. I know they make Hyundai's in Alabama. Some of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know how all that stuff works. Are they assembled in Alabama? Or are they made in Alabama? Are they actually? Using the steel from like ThyssenKrupp or something like that to make the car. I don't know. I don't know nothing about car fac- no manufacturing. The the most I know about car manufacturing is that there is a stone now manufactured called Fordite. Yes. Do you know about this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fordite is made of when they bring the cars through the assembly and they paint them. There's a paint room, and when the the cars come through the assembly line, basically all the layers of paint that build up on the floor of the Ford assembly line, they collect it and then they cut it into chunks and they polish it into something called Fordite. So go look it up, go Google it. Mm -hmm. What you're going to see is layers of cross section, mm -hmm, cross section of layers of automotive paint that they have polished up and are now selling as jewelry. Very interesting. It's a cool idea. It is a cool idea. But uh, Fordite. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's very like, cool looking. Yeah, I mean, it's like when they... It looks like those candles. Do you remember those candles they used to make? I'm sure they still make them. But it's like they've dipped them into a bunch of different colors and they cut them mm-hmm. down the side and let them yes. fall over and cur- they do curls and stuff with them. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It looks like um, wax that they've... Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly what it looks like. By cut down the middle anyway you can go google it i don't know i think it'd be special for somebody that worked at ford or has some sort of special connection to ford but like i can't imagine purchasing that just because it's it's pretty i guess it's like psychedelic looking you can order a piece for your pandora bracelet that you shouldn't joke about that because there's probably people here who are listening who have a pandora bracelet and love it and adore it and think it's wonderful i'm just not a sentimental person and i feel like a pandora bracelet is for people who are extremely just, that's a charm bracelet isn't it isn't yes that what it is it's essentially a charm bracelet he and thomas and i have always joked about how much i hate the pandora bracelet but i really think it's because i'm not a sentimental person yes 100 percent. and i think that having is the joke in all of it to me having like something what charms would I even buy for you like that bracelet? Even if I bought you such well, a bracelet? It's funny because the commercial is just like just gushing about how wonderful it is to have all of your memories on your wrist at yeah. all times. And I'm like, I don't want any of my memories on my wrist. They're in my brain. And if they're not in my brain, they probably weren't important enough. I don't need like a baseball bat on my wrist to tell me that my kid played baseball. Right. Or... That's what I'm saying. I don't even know if I got you one of those, what charms I would even buy to put There's on There's so many things. I mean, is there a Murdoch trial, that's, Pandora? Yes, that's the kind of stupid crap that would have to <laughs> go on there. Because, um, <laughs> Is there, I don't even know what there could be. Fordite. 
Fordite. Yeah, buy you one of those. I have no connection with Fordite other than I think it's interesting. You could buy me um, like one for a thrift shop. You could buy me. Goodwill made one. We'd stick that on there. Uh Uh-huh. Doubt they do, but. I don't think they do either. Anyway, it's perfect for the sentimental human in your life. I could find like a penny on the ground that you would have picked up if you had walked across it and then stapled a hole in it. I'm sorry, what did you just say? If you had found it heads up? No, walked. If I, I had walked across, go finish. Walked across it? Oh, what did okay. I say? I thought you said across. Across it. That's the present participle uh-huh. of the word across. <laughs> if I'd walked across it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'd have to have, y'all know that I had a thrift shop or a yard sale 30th birthday party. Yep. They're very near and dear to my heart. You also yesterday picked up a dollar in a parking lot and you thought it had fentanyl on it and you still picked it up anyway. I did think about it for a half a second before I picked it up and then I picked it up anyway. It was like... Did you like shake it off like maybe there's... No, but I inspected it for powder before I picked it up. Did you? I did. Okay. I really did. I looked at it momentarily before I picked it up and put it in my pocket. And then after I picked it up, I waited to see if I might feel feelings of dizziness or lethargy. You didn't like dial 911, pick up the dollar, and be like, let's see what happens. <laughs> Someone bring me the Narcan, please. All this for a dollar. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to do? Is that what we're doing now? We're letting dollars just lay around Walmart parking maybe, lots? I mean, you're outside, so it's well ventilated. You could have maybe kicked it a few times. What world are we coming to where you cannot pick a dollar up off? I mean, a dollar? I pick up pennies. There's a hundred pennies, and you're not going to pick it up? I mean... What what amount of money is too large too or too small for you to go, if I get fentanyl, it was, it worth, was it. worth it. <laughs> I don't know. Which one? How much? $20? Here lies Catherine. $50? $100? Shall I continue? I missed the $50 bill. Well, let me tell you. For me, it was one doll hair. One doll hair was all See, it but took. but the dollar would be less suspicious to have fentanyl on it. The hundo, that I'm just gonna wear suspect. rubber gloves everywhere I go, and then I can pick up whatever I want. If is there's it a hundo, from touching it, I thought it was from breathing it in. It's from touching it. They say it absorbs into your skin. Oh snap! So if you kick it a few times, knock it off. Yes. Like it'll just it'll just like a dust cloud and just Isn't kick it off powder. <sighs> not I don't a fentanologist, know. So I don't I'm not know. either. It's exhausting. I just the fact that we are able to get away from just picking up a dollar off the ground, and instead of the old worry, which was is someone punking me, or right, like if it's I on a string and they like just keep pulling or like it. if I put this directly in my pocket, is someone going to get mad because I didn't go turn it in somewhere? That used to be the old worry. Yeah, that like I was going to be the bad guy who didn't go the good Samaritan who didn't go find out where the dollar came from. Like, can't I just find a dollar in peace and stick it in my pocket? Not in today's world. Why does it? Why do I have to fear fentanyl? Why are people wasting their drugs on dollar bills? That's what I've never understood about that. Me neither. Like, you're spending money for a random person just to kill them? I don't I, know. I understand them, like, cutting drugs with it so that the drugs last longer or whatever, but putting it on a dollar to kill some random person in a parking lot? I almost believe it's not real. I just, I don't know about all that. It just doesn't that. make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Not that I'm, you know, like you said, a fentanyologist. But I'm just trying to use my logical brain here. Yeah. 
there's someone who knows about drugs who's listening to this going. Y'all are idiots. I mean, we're idiots anyway. Learn your fentanyl. Hey, usage. you want to go at it about design? Huh? Huh? You think you're an expert in everything? Yeah. Let's talk football. I'll design you out of a, ba- a, a bag. What do you say? Design you out of a paper bag on yep. design? Yeah. Any day. You take your fentanyl knowledge and then we would like to share it with you. Snort it. It's on the snort fentanyl. <laughs> it's not good. But yeah, you could, you know about football? You want to talk football? Let's talk. No, you don't. All you know is fentanyl, and you're sitting here calling me an idiot. Mm-hmm. You can't know everything, everybody. I've never, I've never done no kind. Con- now I'm drinking a little bit of prosecco. That's as deep as it goes. All right. So I'll take your fentanyl knowledge and just let's educate me about it. Tell me why it would be advantageous for you to put it on a one dollar bill in a parking lot for a rando like me to pick up especially a dollar and then pick and just pass out let me tell you what happened though (laughs) so i was walking into walmart of course i'm in walmart which makes it even more suspicious why there might be fentanyl on it anyway there's a man who has a vietnam veteran hat on walking out of walmart and i'm like i found a dollar like i was like i found a dollar and i was like it's not my dollar. He goes, it's not mine either, but I'll take it. And I was like, I'm sticking this thing in my pocket. I'm not giving this man this dollar. So I stuck hey, it in my pocket. Thank you for your service, sir. But I'm keeping this dollar. But what if I gave him fentanyl poisoning? Mm-hmm. I was taking it on That's the chin. True. That's true. I mean. Team player. I am. And now that thing was wadded up on our countertop. And then maybe it's in my wallet now. I don't know. It's getting mixed in with all of my other dollars. I'll never it's even know the difference anyway. It's fine. I'm not dying of fentanyl anytime soon, anyone. But if anyone would like to explain to me why that would be advantageous for someone to put fentanyl on a dollar bill and kill a rando in a Walmart parking lot, let me know. Yeah, Send me I an email. I don't get it. To buildingerrandsburg at gmail.com because I'm interested to know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not really interested. You're not interested? <sighs> don't care about the criminal activity. We didn't talk about it, but we really hope that all of you are having a wonderful, if that's the right way to put it, Lent, Lenten season. Are we in the second week of Lent now? Yes. We're about to be starting the third about week of Lent. Third, yeah. Which I think Lent is five weeks or six weeks. I don't know. It's 40 days. It's 40. It's really. It's a little more than that, but. It's 40 days, but it's weekdays and a Saturday. Sundays don't count. I don't know. However many days that is, it seems like a long time when you're in it. It does. So, I hope that yours are, you're progressing well in all the things. You're doing Bible in a year, which you're having to double up on that. But I think that's a good thing. You've been telling me the stories. I need to get on it myself. The stories are insane. It's because it's Father Mike Schmidt and he's entertaining. Nope. You just read them. Oh, because it's the Old Testament, you said. Go read the book of Genesis. You are going to be You're still in the book of Genesis? How well, are you going to get through a, a whole Bible okay. in a year if you're still in Genesis? I don't know. But there was a <laughs> solid two chapters of them just naming people. And I'm like, are you kidding See, me I'm right over now? here listening to the Murdoch trial when I should just be reading the Bible because it sounds like it's just crazy. Uh, Bible's way crazier. Way. Crazier. Way. Mm, yes, way. Mm, 100%. Guess I'll have to know to find out. I'll have to read it to find out. 100%. Murdoch's got nothing on these guys. <gasps> that is a very, very... I'm only one... I'm not even the full book in. I think <laughs> I got two chapters left. 
and I feel like this is very ambitious for you to still be on the first chapter of the Bible and first be, book. For, well, I'm not I mean, reading. Sorry, first book. So the way they do this is you're. I'm actually reading three books at the same time, but the main story that you're following is the book of Genesis. Okay, gotcha. You're also talking about the book of Job, which is I've heard completely unrelated. Yeah, what's the crazy one, Ruth? I think Ruth is the crazy one. Yeah, so I think you do like you're going chronologically through the Bible, but then you're also like the stories that are sort of like one-off stories like Job and Proverbs is the other one that we're reading out of. You're doing those after. It's like he does the book of Genesis and then he does Job and Proverbs. I like chronological. But those two things are sort of like they're kind of one-off stories. They're not. Because let me tell you, history was a big failure to me because there was no chronology. Chronology? Chronologically? I don't know. It was not taught in a chronological order, and yeah. I could not deal. We were learning about American history, and then we learned about the dynasties in China. And then we'd be learning about the World War Two, And then Probably we'd be learning about, about Revolutionary War. Right. And then we'd be learning about what's happening over in Africa. Or not Africa, but Egypt, which is also Africa. But And then we'd be learning, like, what? How do you expect for me to learn this? This is not how my brain works. It is not. But it sounds like yours is being taught in a way where it makes sense altogether. Like yeah. what's happening in the world at one time. Well, and he summarizes too at the very end for like five minutes. He'll be like, hey, so remember say, yesterday no we talked about this. Summary. Today we're talking about this. Tomorrow there's a good story about what happened today kind of thing. Hmm. So... Interesting. Good job. You would get through it so much faster. I mean, if you have time to dedicate several hours a day. If it's interesting, I'll listen to it. It's fine. These things are like 30-minute episodes. But I have to to be interested or else I'll be out. I'll be daydreaming. Although, you know, today I did... Most of them are interesting. Like, you'll get, like I said, there were a couple chapters where it's like, and this guy had five sons, and they were these names, and they had three sons, and they were these names. That gets super boring. It's also super boring when they're like, and so, you know, Jacob sat under the tree and, you know, ate a piece of fruit. And that is why we call that place Heklebe today. Oh, boy. Because it is where he ate the fruit. And it's like, what? What? Why are we naming things like that? (laughs) Anyway. Well, I went for a walk today. And I liked not having anything to listen to because I felt like I had time to just think and daydream, which I feel like I spent all morning doing that today. I never do that. We cleaned the outdoor space. I didn't have anything in my ears. I just cleaned. Okay. Did some zoning out, some thinking, wrote lots of lists when I don't have something else to think about. And yeah, I need to take time good. to do that more. That is good. You seem like you probably do that a lot. I do that a lot. I tend to be the more like, if I've got quiet time, I'm going to put something in to listen to and be doing, learning or whatever. So I need to do more of the, but it was just such a pretty day. The only problem I have with sitting quietly is that my mind will try to do like five things at once instead of like just focusing on one thing. Like I will sit down at, If I have an off period, for example, I will sit down at my off period, and while I'm trying to grade test, I will do my lesson plans for the next week. I was like, why? If I would, why not just focus on the test, get done with the test? I'm telling you, I think all of us have ADD. Like, like the speed at which our world moves now, 
I think is causing all of us to have ADD. All of our phones, all of our electronics, yeah. all of our that's things. What I, that's what I have to end up doing is just closing my laptop and just like putting it out of the way. Yeah. And just the only thing on my desk. It's are too these easy tests. to like open a tab and to look something right. up and then to like that leads you down to crazy trail of all kinds of things that. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing this? Just focus on doing the thing I meant to do that I came here for, writing the test or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, it's how we roll. It's how the human brain works. All right, you guys. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope that you are really digging into your Lenten promises and that you have some time to listen to nothing and just take a walk because it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful week. And hopefully... Um, not get too overwhelmed by what's happening in life because that's kind of where I've been lately. Until next time, bye y'all. Bye y'all.